0: Doesn't it make sense to put your time, the best part of your day, where you're at your best, in toward toward your best client? And your best client will always be you. The Doberman Dan Show. The Doberman Dan Show for renegade entrepreneurs. Get ready for the uncensored, nothing held back, no BS reality of how business and life really work. Leave the sheeple to their lives of quiet desperation and get ready to experience an An exhilarating exhilarating life of of unbridled unbridled freedom. freedom. Now prepare yourself, because Doberman Dan's off the leash.
1: Hey, Doberman Dan fans, renegade entrepreneurs. I'm super excited to have as one of my first guests on the Doberman Dan show, Ben Settle. Uh, Ben and I... You know, we got a strange friendship. We go way back. Um, What is it? At least seven years. Uh, I think it's eight years because I remember meeting. Well, we've never met
0: in person, but I remember first talking to you back in 2006.
1: That's what's so weird about the Internet. Um, I I consider you uh, one of my good friends, um, a, a mentor, a go-to guy, a guy I go to when I'm completely stuck on shit I can't figure out. Uh, you know, and this has developed over the internet. We have never ever met in person. Um which is kind of weird, but um so I'm excited about having you as my first guest on the Doberman Dan show for Renegade Entrepreneurs. And and the reason I chose you is you are the epitome of a renegade entrepreneur to me. Um, even more amazing is you made the transition from uh, uh, from what I from from what I got myself stuck in the past couple years. I, I sold my last supplement my my last business a couple years ago and and had this oh shit realization like. Uh, wow, I better figure out what the hell to do. So I got stuck in whoring myself as a copywriter. And um, you, for years, uh, took the freelance copywriting route and hoard yourself, hoard your mind out, as Howard used to say, as a copywriter. And even more amazing, you did something that most freelance copywriters don't do. You freed yourself some from, from that to focus on your own projects that would give you basically complete time and lifestyle freedom so if you if if you if that doesn't describe the ideal renegade entrepreneur i don't know what does
0: yeah I, I think you have to um i think you have to get to that point where you hit sort of a bottom where you're really like You've hit – you're hitting – I know you've hit bottom and you can only go – like because you've been telling me about some of this, how you want to be doing your own stuff and not have to do client stuff. And I hit that bottom, man, and I'm glad I hit it relatively early, 10 years into my career, <laughs> but um, better late than never. And It got to the point where I realized you have to be – I mean, for me at least. I'm going to say everybody. This doesn't apply to everybody, but I had to be my own best client because I think most clients, if they're not going to do as I say – and. You know, because I know what I'm talking about now and stuff I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm not, that's not what I'm talking about here. But there are times where I just knew we could have done better. And there was always some idiot who had to filter the ideas and screw things around. And it got to the point where it wasn't even just a financial thing. It was just my personality. I don't like authority. I, you know, if I'm going to screw up, it's all my fault. If, if something gets screwed up and it's their fault, but I had done everything the right way, that bothers me. And so for me, it was just more of like a personality thing. I don't mesh well with that. So I, I've heard it put like this, that when you're – and this applies to anything in life. But we all are born with like this um, thermostat where we're comfortable, whether it be a financial thermostat or whatever. But mostly this applies to money. But let's say your thermostat is at 50 degrees and 50 degrees is $20,000 a year. Well, that's where you're comfortable at and if you're not mentally ready and prepared and you suddenly make 30000 a year, you're at 60 degrees, you will unconsciously do things to put your thermostat back down to 50 degrees. Or if you make less than 20000 a year, you will do whatever it takes to get it back to 50 degrees where you're comfortable. Well, having clients was not comfortable to me. I had a full year business plan on how to get out of doing client work and not have like a decrease in my lifestyle or anything. And it only took me like six months. And I did it because of email, which I know you wanted to talk about. But that's how I did it. It was with email.
1: Actually, I actually want to talk about something uh, just as important as email. Uh, number one, because I haven't been doing it. You told me this. How long have you been free from clients? Over two years, right?
0: About two and a half years. Summer, it was August beginning of August, 2011 was like August, literally August 1st, 2011.
1: Okay. So you, you, you told me this when you were just about to make the break from clients and, and be, be free of that. And you told me something that resonated so strongly with me. And I did it for a while and I got out of the habit and I should, I, you know, I should Post it in a place I can see, like every, like to the left, I can look at my Heisenberg poster, (laughs) the the same one I sent you.
0: Yes, I love that. I'm looking at it right now.
1: I am not in danger. I am the danger. I need to post either a poster or make my own poster that says this. You said something, uh, you know, the, the book, The Richest Man in Babylon, the big takeaway from that was... Everything you make, 10% of it is yours to keep. In other words, before you pay the rent, before you pay this bill, that bill, the people you owe, okay, you bring in a 1000 bucks, you immediately take out 10% for yourself and you do whatever it is you have to do to keep from spending that. You know, whether it's stick it in a bank, put it in a coffee can and (laughs) bury it, you know, um... And so you told me because I asked you how how did you make this transition to being free from clients? The problem with client work, it becomes all encompassing. You the, the projects encompass your thinking. Um, they they take over your time if you'll let them. The clients view you as a as just an employee or a slave, and they'll impose upon your time. All the time. So if you'll let it, it becomes all encompassing, and the things that you want to do for your own projects get pushed aside. So your big breakthrough was 10%. I don't know if it was a percentage or if it was a number of hours per day or whatever, but you said a portion of my day, and it's always the first portion, is dedicated to my own projects. And that, the consistent. Uh, use of that is what got you free.
0: Yeah, it, it's exactly I, I, what I did was I, the first hour belonged to me. And this is with two, this was with having a client on retainer. I had another business partner project going on where I had a lot of work to do. And I was trying to build this, like uh, I was trying to build a site that one of my friends had, had made like a $70,000 a year business on where he did absolutely nothing. He just wrote like a thousand easing articles in a special way and he was just like he didn't do shit for like two years, you know. I'm like, I want that, and so I I did what he was doing, which was a lot. I was writing like 20 articles a day, plus five autoresponder emails a day for that business, plus um, like an article or two for that blog, so that was unique from the easing articles. Plus my bensettle.com daily email, plus um, I was I was I had a print newsletter. I have a different. I have an email. I have a print newsletter now, but this was a different one I had back then called Crypto Marketing Newsletter. I was writing that. And I was doing this job on retainer where they were throwing all kinds of stuff at me, sales letters, emails, splash pages, teleseminar scripts, webinar scripts, all this stuff. But I said, you know what? And, and I was, what was happening was I wasn't sleeping. I mean, I barely got any sleep. But you know what? I said, the first hour of every day belongs to me. It's going toward my thing first because I have a plan to get out of this in a year it only took six months, but it's because of that. That's exactly why I put myself. First. You got to be selfish, man. Seriously, you you got to be selfish for your own good. And it doesn't mean you're going to screw anyone over or anything. It just means you got to put yourself first.
1: Yeah, um, I, I need a reminder of that. It's I you know what? I feel uh, a sense of overwhelm when I overcommit myself and that's. That's been a problem since taking the client work, which, which I am phasing out of, um, with, uh, you know, I've, I've got my own, I've got my own membership thing, the Doberman Dan letter, which is going to be tire entirely re, reposition repurposed. No, nobody wants to buy a newsletter. Nobody. Um, people do want to be involved in a community where there is lots of support and lots of information in and, in, you know, specialized knowledge and information on a membership site and a, and a, and a, and a, and a paper and ink newsletter that's part of it and contact with, with me on webinars to ask questions and evaluate, copy and websites. People do want to be a part of that. My problem was I, st- I sold the damn thing like you'd sell a financial newsletter. Nobody wants a newsletter, but um, uh, so I've got that going. Uh, still taking clients. I'm introducing a coaching program, so I'm introducing things gradually that will get me free of the client work. The problem is like this month is a perfect example. Okay, I have taken two. Client projects. One that's one that's pretty big. It's a customer acquisition program for a big mailer. Um, the other one is for a uh, uh, an entrepreneurial company that has kicked ass online, but has never delved into met direct mail. So I've taken over their entire transition into using direct mail. That's a big project, um, you know, along with my other stuff. So I wake up. And I feel overwhelmed. Now this is turning into a Dan, uh Dan uh, 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 therapy session. So um, start the clock and send me your bill. So, so, so this feeling of overwhelm, instead of me just saying the hell with it, these people, you know, these projects waiting an hour ain't going to kill anybody. You know, and just focusing on my stuff for an hour, I feel overwhelmed. And so first part of the day, I delve into their projects, which which is a big mistake. It's really holding me back. And it obviously worked for you. It freed you from client work in six months.
0: It did. And it's just it's just I think it's a mindset, too. When you start putting yourself first, you got to take care of number one, because it's like, okay, think about when you're in a plane, right? And they tell you when the oxygen oxygen masks come down, you put your own on first before you help the person next to you because you're no good to them if you're dead. And it's the same with your clients. If you care about your clients, you owe it to them to put your needs and yourself first and your business first. Otherwise, you're not going to give them your best. And you're going to resent them. You're going to start hating them. You know, and that's never a good thing.
1: No. Plus, you know what? <clears throat> I feel better when I start my yeah. day that way. It's like, hey, man, like I eating dessert my first. stuff out of the way, you know?
0: It's it's eating dessert first is what I call it.
1: Yeah, that's (laughs) perfect. It's eating dessert first. And now, you know, now I can do their stuff and not have any guilt feelings because I ignored my own stuff. Uh, Ultimately, my own stuff is what is going to last way longer and provide a way much longer term income and more income than this temporary Copywriting project. So why not devote an hour a day to that stuff to begin the day with? Overview of email marketing.
0: I'm, I'm going to give the basic – yeah, and, I, and what I'll do is I, I, I'm going to illustrate this with a story. I've, I've written uh, – this is going to go out to my list this week, and I just recorded a podcast yesterday telling the story. But I think it just illustrates exactly what what my – well, actually, this not only illustrates my email philosophy, but I think it illustrates what you're doing here with your podcast and what I do with my podcast. And when anyone who dares go against the grain because everyone else does something doesn't make it right – goes with their philosophy. But so I had once dated this girl for like a couple months and uh she had just graduated from a business school. I don't remember what business school it was. It wasn't like Harvard or anything, but it was a, you know, it was, a, it wasn't like a bad one. I don't think I'm sure there were, it was decent. I know that she was in a hell of a lot of debt, you know, 60, $70,000 in student loans or
1: whatever. Uh, you know what? They're, they're, they're probably all bad.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm just being <laughs> nice about this, but here's the thing. So she would always want to give me, you know, she thought that because she graduated from business school, that somehow her opinion was automatically useful to me for my business. Which, you know, I, I admit it wasn't, <laughs> but I would humor her and I'd listen to her ideas. And it was always stuff that I already knew didn't work, that I already tested. Uh, you know, she'd be like, oh, you gotta send out your emails and HTML all prettied up. Here, I have a designer and a friend, you know, she'll do it for you. And Oh, don't write, you know, don't be, don't go talking politics or talk anything controversial. She'd look at my sales letters. Nobody reads these long sales letters, you know, And or she'd look at something else I did. And it was always just some prattling on about something that she, she had no clue. It was all book theory. There's absolutely no, like, street smarts behind it. At first, it was very amusing. You know what I mean? Like, it's funny at first when people, like, it's cute, right? It's, it's kind of like a kid who just who's trying to give you his opinion and you know he doesn't know what he's talking about but it's cute that he's trying and so it was with her but eventually i gotta be i am honest it got kind of annoying because it was every day it was some stupid feedback that i already knew was bull crap. and i'm trying to teach dan i'm trying to give her an education in business i'm a free one i wasn't even charging her. but she kept going on about it and then i was getting to the point where i was like you know i might have to get rid of this girl you know because it's kind of becoming a distraction now you know, it's kind of like a negative voice constantly prattling on in your ear. So but then I thought, wait a minute, I I can make this will be useful. Cause I used to ask her things like which headline do you like better? You know, or she would tell me actually I never would ask her. She would say, I like this headline you're doing. A.B. test it and she'd be wrong. <laughs> then, anyway, it went on like that. Eventually, I thought I could use this to my advantage. So what I did is I started asking her what she thought about things. Like, what do you think of this idea for a product or you know, this headline or this email idea or whatever? And she would give me her idea and I would just do the exact opposite. <laughs> and, and, dude, I'm telling you, I, got a, I made demonstrably more money doing this. I'm going to miss that girl, man, because – Eventually she caught on and she got mad at me. She's like, why do you even ask me if you're just gonna do the opposite? Blah blah blah. And you know, after that it didn't last too long. But this is the whole philosophy. Sometimes you gotta do what Earl Nightingale says. Look around at what everyone else is doing, and then test doing the opposite. And you might just be surprised what happens.
1: <laughs> That's kind of funny. Uh you used your girlfriend as uh as fodder for your stuff. <laughs> And she wasn't
0: even, she wasn't even really a girlfriend. She was just this girl I was dating. <laughs> and I just found it. You like, I, I, was, I was like, man, I should keep this girl around just for this. But, you know, <laughs> there comes a point where you can't get away with that for too long. <laughs> but it was funny. Yeah, I got, it was worth it, man. I made, I think I profited from that relationship. And, you know, she's still hundred grand or whatever in debt. And I actually made money from it. So I try, <laughs> dude, I'm telling you, I, I'm trying to help, you know, but it didn't, my help was not wanted. And it was free help, but people don't value what's free, right?
1: No, people never value what's free. And especially it's uh plus you were dealing with uh, the issue of the profit is only without honor in his own hometown, too. So. Oh, yeah.
0: That's a perfect. That's why your family always never, you know, my family still wants me to get a real job. I probably, you know, out earned them all by like a factor of three to one or something. But Ben needs to get a real job. He's just playing around on the internet. <laughs> so you know you're doing it right when you not everybody thinks you're doing it wrong. Hey, that's you know what that's the philosophy. You know you're doing it right when everybody is convinced you're doing it wrong.
1: Yeah, I, I think I think that's a good way to go. Um, uh, you you can almost never go wrong going going against the crowd. The cr- the the lemmings, the sheeple, are almost always wrong yeah
0: they are i mean you can almost count on it you know very rarely are they right and when they're right they're right on accident
1: so so we got all these we got we got all these alleged experts and gurus who've taught how to do email marketing they have courses how to do email marketing You've been doing email marketing your way for I don't know eight plus years, maybe longer. I don't remember.
0: Um, actually, uh, two thousand nine is when I or end of two thousand eight is when I really started it. So, what what does that come
1: on to? Six years
0: now. What year are we in? Two
1: thousand twenty. Uh, <laughs> two thousand. What is it? It's two thousand. It's two thousand forty two, and we got yeah. flying cars. <laughs> um, you know what? Damn it! It's twenty fourteen, and According to the movies I watched back in the seventy, we should have flying cars by now, and I'm pissed.
0: Next year, we're supposed to from back to the future, too. Next year, I better see a flying hoverboard and a flying car and all that and that runs on garbage.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah, with the fusion generator. I'm going to be pissed if I don't see that. Well, okay, so you got some controversial views on email. Problem is, is um, you also got the test to back it up, to show how well it works. Um, There's a couple things people always fight you on. We'll get to in just a sec. Um, There's one in particular that people almost always fight you on. But can you give me, in a few steps, and you publish a newsletter about this every month and cover successful emails and then go into the reason they were successful. If you can give me in a number of steps, the Ben Settle email method, that would be way cool.
0: Okay. Um, You know, there is no like ABC. I mean, there is a little bit subject line and all that, but what it comes down to is it's your own talk radio show. So you have to look at it as a conversation, not as a sales pitch. I mean, you are selling something. I sell something every single day. Even if it's just selling them on a link I want like today, I didn't sell a product. I, I sold them on going to a link where they could get on a, a notification list for a novel about zombies that I'm about to publish in about a month. You know, quick but,
1: quick question. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt, but not at all. Uh, I you know, I get your email. So there are times when the transition is pretty is <laughs> is pretty uh is pretty interesting. Like the transition is, is obviously very uh, done. Very cool. And um, it transitions perfectly. Like to the story, there's other times where you just put an offer at the end. So there's always an offer in every email. Have you seen a difference in response? Like say you're talking about zombies and <laughs> yeah. the transition, to to the, the the pitch or the getting them to go to a link is zombie related um do you see a bigger difference in in getting people to go to that link as opposed to let's say you're talking about i dated this chick um she's a complete psycho hose beast but the one good thing that came out of it was Everything she told me to do, I did the opposite. And it was incredibly successful in my business. Basically, end of story. And then, hey, if you want to learn to be successful in how I market with my email system, go here. In other words, not as much of a transition. Have you noticed a difference in response or is it pretty much the same?
0: You know, a lot of it really depends because, and here's what I've learned. Um, I, I can give you a basic answer, but it's not always the same. The more aggressive I am, the more sales I usually get. The more I say, and here's what's going to be in this issue, or I do some really cool tease to get them in there aggressively, as opposed to just kind of being goofy about it with zombies and stuff, probably the more aggressive one works most of the time. But here's the thing I've noticed over the years. And this is why I personally believe that tracking emails is a complete waste of time, unless you're tracking sales. And even this actually is a complete waste. I mean, you should track all this stuff. But our friend Jim Yagi, who's a computer scientist, and he knows a few things about tracking and testing. I mean, he's like Google's golden boy there. I mean, he tests everything. when He knows about testing. And even he has told me. He goes, it's a waste of time worrying about all these little metrics because what you should be doing is tracking your sales trends over time. So at the end of the month, did you have more or less sales in the month before? Look at what you did. You know, adjust from there. Because – you could track opens, you can track clicks and all this stuff, but it, the email that might have sold them on your product, you might have sent a week ago, but they just had the money today to do it. And I've had people, okay, I'm going to give you an example right now. So one of these deals I'm involved in is called Ocean's Four. It's a consult, it's four of us. We do consulting. We're going to Vegas actually next week to do some consulting. It's very high end. We charge like $7,500 a person. We have like eight people. That's it. That's, we all fit in a room and we just tear their business apart and help them bring it back together. When I was promoting that, I remember this. I promoted Oceans 4. There was no email players link in sight for like two or three days. And yet I promoted Oceans 4 one day and I had like three times more email players sales that day than any other day. I have no clue what sold them on email players that day because I certainly wasn't promoting it. But something that I wrote in that email must have impressed them enough to want to give my email a try, my email players a try. So my whole thing is the real strength in email is getting out there every day. Showing that you are the man or the woman, whatever in your market, that you're a leader, not just an expert. Because people will read, you know, people read experts, but they follow leaders. And that's a huge importance. You want to be the person people follow, not that they just read you. And if you're out there every day, in my opinion, or at least five days a week, you're going to be seen as the market leader, at least to the people on your list. Like right. for example, let's say, let's say I sell um everybody likes to use the dog training example. So I'm going to use dog training. <laughs> But let's say I'm selling dog training, and let's say you're selling dog training. Now, I only mail once every two weeks, or when I have quote something to say, or because I don't want to bug anyone. Or I'm, I go the opposite way, and I only email them when I have a new product to launch. But you're in there every day, just telling them something interesting about dogs that they didn't know. Something you're not giving away hard information, but you're ta- your, your your emails are informational, but not educational. That's the way I do it you're going to be seen as far more of a leader than I, I will. Even if my information is better than yours, the fact that you're there every day. Because if you think about it, if somebody claims to be a leader or even an expert and they don't have something, anything to say, just something every day to say, and, and your competitor does, well, they're going to think, this dude, I only hear from him once a week. He's not nearly that the leader this other guy is every day. It's just yep. a matter of positioning.
1: So, so... I. I i'm glad you brought that up first so one of the biggest components uh and you are a big proponent of regular emails but most of the time when you say regular you mean every day now you do seven days a week right
0: well i do five or six i don't sometimes i'll do seven and this is not out of any like tactical reason it's mostly out of laziness (laughs) I should be doing two a day, seven days a week, technically. I mean, really, I don't – I think if you do it right, you really can't email enough as long as you have new leads coming in every day. That's that's the caveat to all this, by the way, is you always have to have new blood coming in because the more you mail, the more people are going to unsubscribe and you want unsubscribes. Unsubscribes and opt-outs are good. So here's another renegade thing for you. Everybody worries about – but if you worry about opt-outs as opposed to being more interested in sales – you're basically playing to not lose instead of playing to win, in my opinion. In my humble but, as you would say, accurate opinion. Mm-hmm. I would rather play to win than not to play not to lose. I don't care what someone someone unsubscribes. Good. Let them go somewhere else. Look, let them go learn from someone inferior to me. That's my mindset. Go ahead. Good luck. My guys who stick with me and I, we're going to go kick ass with or without you. Go. you know what I mean? That's my thought. And remember I told you that story about the dude – who contacted me on Facebook recently? Good guy. He just got into internet marketing a few years ago. Got on my list. He was overwhelmed by my daily emails. It was too much for him at that time. He complained to me, and I, I guess I don't remember what I said, but he he told me I told him to get off my list, like get off my lawn,
1: basically. Yeah,
0: and 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 he came back. He was just, shocked, wasn't he? He probably was, and and because who does that, right? And but I do it, by the way. Well, if, you know, I'll, I'll tell you why I do that in a second. But he now is a paying email player, subscriber. He just subscribed. So you got to do this with an ethic. as a righteous ethic of the way you do business. And if you know that you have something good to say, if you have something that can help somebody, if they want to get off the list, let them go. I mean, I don't want them on my list unless they want to be there. I don't need them and they don't need me. This is a mutual thing. And that's the way I look at it.
1: Well, um, it's also the thing you take the most flack for, Um, here's the excuses I hear. It's too often. People don't want to hear from you that often. Their, their inboxes are already overloaded. My, here's the biggest bitch. My, my unsubscribe rate goes up, blah, 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 blah. All the things that I have found to be a positive when I was emailing every day for my I should be emailing every day for my Doberman Dan a, a, a business and my DobermanDan.com blog, okay? I'm not. I should be. But when I was doing it for my bodybuilding supplement business, did my unsubscribes go up? Yes. Were they people who were great customers and bought stuff? No. <laughs> they were the mo- what I call mooches who only got on the list to get the free shit I gave away. And so I'm I was glad they were off the list.
0: There, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because there's a practical reason for this too, that goes beyond money for us. And I call, I, I practice what I call repulsion marketing. A lot of people will practice attraction marketing. I'm trying to repulse people away. And here's why I want this to happen. I want it to happen as fast as possible. I want them to unsubscribe when they opt in, like if that, as early as possible and I know – and most of the time this isn't an issue because when I bring people in, I tell them it's daily at every opt-in point so nobody can really be complaining. But here's the thing. You are better off with them opting out as fast as possible because if they, the longer they stay, the more likely they're going to not unsubscribe and just push the junk mail thing on
1: you. And that hurts your standing with your auto response. Yep. Yep. So how do you I, – I have a way of doing it. Um, maybe it's – Maybe it's a bit too polite. I think it's somewhat arrogant. I could probably up the arrogance of it, but you get an opt in. Let's say you get an opt in. I opt in today. How do you? What's your response of the f- initial email they get from you that that's going to prompt the 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 whiners and and the people who are pain in the ass? What's what do you say that prompts them to get off the list like right away?
0: Okay, I tell them in that first email. Here's your, you know, here's your free issue of email players. It's a PDF version. And it's a print newsletter. But the first when they opt in, they get that first issue as a PDF. That's a real ninety seven dollar value. I mean, that's what it costs,
1: right? Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let me back up. Okay, when they opt into your website, yeah, as a bonus, they actually get a PDF issue of your paid newsletter.
0: Yes, of the very first issue.
1: Okay. Okay. Which is,
0: you know, that's real value. So they get that if they opt in. I mean, I've just It's a
1: $97. People are paying $97 a month for that service.
0: Absolutely. I mean, that's a real value. But in that same email, it says, just to remind you, I send a lot of email. I send daily email. I mean, daily is probably technically seven days. I usually send five, but that's fine. And if you don't want that much email, you don't want to be on the list, just scroll down and unsubscribe yourself. It's fine. I'm not offended. It's okay. I would... Take the free issue, make money with it. Because I know if they use that issue, they'll be back anyway. The prodigal always returns, Dan, every single time when they use that information. So I don't worry about it. And I wanted to get them off because I would rather them unsubscribe then than later on like, man, I wish this guy would quit sending me emails. Screw this guy. I'm pushing the junk mail button. And that happens. And I get very, very few spam complaints. I I mean, hardly any at all. And I'm mailing more than everybody else. Yeah. There you go
1: yeah you you are you are mailing more than anybody else and that's and and also that's another um well you 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 know better because you hear this stuff it's just the one I hear all the time is um I hear Ben mails every day um that can't possibly work because people get tired <laughs> of hearing from you they're already experiencing inbox overload and what is the third? complaint um I would love for people to tell me this
0: stuff to my face but they never do so because then I can mock them and that's an email content for me right there but
1: well <laughs> here's the ironic thing okay they're bitching about this and opining about the, you know I don't believe you know call me crazy um, I don't believe everybody is entitled to their own opinion I believe everybody is entitled to an education um, an educated opinion, okay? <laughs> like, you know, I can't have an intelligent conversation with somebody about the economy and about what to do with their money and what's happening in the economy and their purchasing power and all that if they haven't at least hopefully read The Creature from Jekyll Island or at least are not aware of what happened December 24th, 1913 uh, to our our monetary system. If they don't understand that, you know, it's like they want to have a conversation about quantum physics, but they still (laughs) haven't learned that 2 plus 2 is 4. So (laughs) I am not of the opinion that everybody has a right to their opinion. Everybody has a right to an educated opinion. And all the people who bring up that objection is, well, I can't use Ben's system because I'm going to get a lot of unsubscribes and a lot of pissed off people, but they haven't even tested it and they haven't, and they haven't gotten the results that matter. I don't give a shit about open rates or click-through rates or unsubscribes. I, I really don't care. All I care is what I s- is, is how much I sell. So everybody I know of who who pooh this system has never tested it. Can you imagine now
0: you're you are the direct mail guy, right? Like you're one of the top two or three, direct, at least in my opinion, in my humble but accurate opinion, of course, <laughs> you are the top one, the top tier of direct mail guys. Can you imagine? And, and I always say and, and I heard this from a guy named Sean D'Souza, who I think is like the most underrated marketing brain on the Internet. He's like. If something doesn't work in real life, i.e. offline, it probably really doesn't make sense online in in a lot of cases. And so my thought is this. You just send out 10,000 direct mail letters. Do you give a shit how many were opened or do you just care how many people actually bought? You know what I mean? Do you really care how many people dialed the number and didn't buy or do you just care about the bottom line? Did you make your money back and a profit or whatever your goal was, right? Does it matter how many people opened the envelope? Now, I know that you want as many delivered as possible, and I'm all for getting email delivery up, by the way. That's not, so I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about these retarded metrics that the only people like if if anybody goes around talking about their open rates and click-throughs and not sales and they're not tying it to sales somehow, I just don't see the point of listening to them. Who cares if you got more? I could get you know, spammers can get a high open rate and a high click through rate. Doesn't mean they make a lot of sales. I mean, I can I mean that's why the spammers are out there. So take it to real life. Does it does it work? Does it make any sense? ROI is really what matters at the end of the day.
1: Well, exactly. Um, y- y- if you hit the nail on the head um, and 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 the people who haven't tried it, who are on automatically shooting it down um, are stupid. Um, <laughs> Let's come on. Be honest, man. What do you think of these people are? <laughs> <laughs> now, not only not only frequency is a is a is a Ben Settle secret, but the way you write your emails, obviously, well, they're very personal. I mean, you share stuff about your personal life, which is pretty cool. So there's a bonding aspect of that. Um, what was that quote? I just read you King Con- I gotta open my yeah, ebook. Content,
0: content. Con- yeah, content is king and engagement is queen. Was that yeah, it?
1: content is king, connection is queen, connection. That's and the correct. queen runs the castle. So, so if you write something that you know about your your date with this chick last night, that that may that may or may not. Have a very strong message in it. It's, it's always related to business. You, any intelligent person yes. is going to get the business message related for it. Of course, intelligent people are few and far between. Some people may think, why is he talking about his date? Well, you know what? That person needs to unsubscribe. Uh, you but, know what,
0: though, man? That's just that's entertainment, too. And, and I would say entertainment is the ace of it's, the castle.
1: It's entertaining it's building a, a connection cuz now they feel like you know you um but you 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 can probably explain this way better than i do so so those are two big parts of your email infotainment connection but also there's some other things you specifically do that other people don't do and that is why you're so successful with email marketing if you want to get into that
0: yeah, I want to bring up something, actually. I don't know if this is directly related to what you're saying here, but I have to give you props. I have given you. I will keep giving you props for this for the rest of my life. And that is back. And this is what got I mean, I'm getting even more personal in 2014 than I ever did. I mean, I told my list what I'm looking for in a potential wife. Now, who's gonna you know? How many people out there? Oh, you're, you're wasting. Me. No, people love that email. I mean, <laughs> people were swiping it, man, and that's fine. I don't care. Point is, I was talking about how my goals this year to have more patience. You know, my goals to have more self discipline. I gave examples why. I'm talking about specific girls I've been dating. Talking about my family. Talking about this book I'm writing. All this, you know. And by the way, talking about a zombie book can be pretty disturbing because it's a disturbing book, you know. But I'm letting people know, right? I'm talking about it, and so. Here's the thing. I'm giving you props for this. Back last, or late last year, you sent me, or you sent our mastermind group, I think, or you said something about the Johnny Carson Netflix documentary. I have watched that about 10 times. Now I've, I just watched it yesterday again because I get so much out of it. I'm like really gearing more toward what he was doing, which is you just get the real him. And you make it entertaining and fun at the same time. And yes, there's content in my emails, absolutely. But I, more and more, and I'm doing this even on my own co- podcast. I was telling my producer, Jonathan, I'm going more in this direction. Less content and more just getting down and getting to know people. Remember when I was telling you before the, before the call here, I was talking about that show on ESPN. This was, you know several years ago where the guy had the number one rated slot on ESPN. He had all these sports stars on and stuff. But he would never talk about sports. He would just talk about their personal lives and joke around. And the producers got real mad at him and they fired him. And he went off and did his own show on another network and outrated them at the same time slot. It's the same thing. People want real. We, we are. I think it was Matt Fury t- used to teach. People are voyeurs. This is why re- reality TV is so popular. People want to look in on your life. They want to walk into your house, look over your shoulder at what you're doing in your life. I don't care if it's making eggs. Or whatever. What what dude, I once told a story about the bath the book that I have in my bathroom that I read out of every day when I go into do my business. You know what I mean? And it and it there's I, I will get personal. I talked about how I once farted in study hall in eighth grade and the noise boomed off the, the off the seat, you know, those wooden seats, made real loud noise. The whole study <laughs> hall heard it. They all looked at me and in my devious eighth grade mind to look at the guy behind me and <laughs> so they all thought he did it i mean this is the kind of stuff that you can talk about to real life man it, 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 people love it and people will buy from you when they know you like you and trust you what better way to get them to know like and trust you than to let them meet the real you
1: that is yeah. so true um yeah. <laughs> most people don't most people i the don't have the balls to do it though Um, that's
0: the problem dude most people are absolute pussies they most internet marketers are pussies i used to be look i'm not making fun of anyone specific i was the same way up until about 2008 i did email the way everyone else is doing it real safe now you know afraid to say and you know what liberated me from that shortly before i started mailing daily i wrote i said you know i'm gonna i just had this idea for an email and and the subject line was yip on my sales letters and now, you read that, and you're like, what the hell? <laughs> like, why would he be, you know, that's kind of, you know, dirty. But the P was actually an acronym for, like, persuade, engage, and entertain. You know what I mean? So anyone who, who, like, took the time to read it understood it. But I got all those people mad at me, and I also had these people like, wow, Ben, do you have anything for sale? You know, because they just had never been approached that way before. I don't, by the way, recommend using what I call shock effect subject lines. That's what I, I, I teach, like, 13 different ways. That's one of them very often. But sometimes it's good to do that, like, like Dan, you haven't mailed your list in a while. If I was you, I would do a hardcore shock the hell out of them subject line. Just get the get that polarization started off right. You
1: know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the yeah, because there there hasn't been a connection in a while and the and the shock factor is going to get the biggest interaction. And actually the more negative it is um the the more response I'm going to get. Um my my wife hated this, but one of my subjects line was my was my rumors about my impending divorce. Oh yeah, that I, would, I didn't, that would give I didn't actually run it by her before I did it. She was livid, but um, it it, it was. I got so much engagement from that because like people, it's the rubbernecking thing, you know. Like there's a there's a. There's a, a fatal accident in the road. Everybody has to slow down and look. And so now everybody wants to hear about Doberman Dan getting divorced. And what I transitioned into was I've been saying yes to too many projects. <laughs> and, you know, if I keep up this pace, you know, I'm afraid my wife's going to leave me and stuff. But, you know, it's just like, uh, you know, Kern made that bad news uh subject line popular you know the the shock yeah. and negative, a combination of shock and negative you know the this speaks of our human nature and uh and how base we are still as humans is what's get gets the most attention
0: you ever notice and I remember Jim yagi bringing this up he's like when 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 Frank Kern did that that I'm, I'm sure it worked like gangbusters for him but then people in the same market thought oh I'm gonna swipe that. And then they were – and these are the same market, the exact same market, internet market, wherever he was selling to. And they were like, man, it didn't work for me that well. It's because you dumbass, you need to do your own subject lines. <laughs> you know, it's like it yeah. worked for him. And that's why he gave it away because he knew it wasn't going to work for him a s- second time. You know what I mean? So people need to think. You know, they just have to think. have an original well,
1: mind. Well, you're, you're asking we- – you are asking way too much of most humans. You, you're talking. You, you're saying this- <laughs> people need to think. Listen, most people couldn't think if their lives depended on it. They should have taken the the bad news thing and took the lesson from it instead of swiping it. Yeah, taking the lesson of it and realized, you know what? People rubberneck at accidents, and people are, are, are fascinated by the news because it's nothing but negative shocking stuff. So so they should have taken that lesson and realized if I really want to grab attention to my list, I'll do bad news related, shocking uh, subject posts. But no, instead they just ripped off Frank Kern.
0: You know, this reminds me of, I don't know if it's exactly the same, but you just reminded me of someone. So I'm going to name this guy's name because I don't have anything personally against him. Okay. But I don't really respect him all that much after, because it's something he did several years ago. Now he's a respected internet marketing teacher, okay. And he—I'm sure he knows what he's. T- I'm sure he gives good, does good stuff, okay. But only takes—you only have to get stung one time before you don't deal with someone ever again. And uh, this was back in 2009. I wrote this this really cool, I thought cool email with a cool subject line and all that. And he ripped off like the first couple paragraphs, almost word for word, right? I think he even used the same subject line. And I called him out. Well, actually, I didn't call him on a bunch of his people on his list emailed me to tell me what this, this guy's ripping you off right oh uh, so, so, <laughs> so I wrote another email the next day calling this guy out not by name but just saying hey this, this don't do this you know what I mean you got to think originally and you know he apologized and all that but he still tried you know his rationalization hamster kept saying yeah but but Dan Kennedy and Matt Fury do this and I go, like, well, no they don't I've heard in print I've read both of them say never do that you know he didn't even get his own teachers now fast forward to this last year like a few months ago one of my good friends is on this guy's I'm not on this guy's list, but one of my good friends is. And he said the guy called me out saying I was irresponsible about something I wrote. I think it had to do with me talking about how testing all these metrics and tracking all this shit. It's a waste of time if you're not tracking sales. I think that's I'm pretty sure that was because he I asked him if he could send me the email, but he couldn't find me. that that's what he told me he remembered. And I'm you know, stuff just like you know, it just, it just, here's a guy who blatantly swipes and he's telling me I'm respo- irresponsible, right? He's out there teaching other people. And he's, you, like, my opinion, if somebody tells you to swipe, like, word, and they're not in, in the wrong way, I'm not talking about the right way, I'm talking about the wrong way. Right there, man, that is someone who, A, doesn't think for himself or herself, and you should avoid learning from them. Learn from people who are original thinkers, and you will be an original thinker. Learn from swipers, and you will be a swiper. And yeah. swipers, I'll tell you what, man, an imitation never makes, is never as worth
1: as much as the original, ever. Yep, that is true. You know, um, I've noticed something recently that um, I actually made the decision to do in 2014, but obviously you made the decision to do fairly recently, And your emails um, and now your podcast. Uh, Well, quick question, Ben. Do you know when you have a podcast uh, posted on iTunes and it has what they consider to be colorful metaphors, um, also known as cuss words, do they (laughs) label it explicit? Yes. um, I'll tell
0: you what. And I'll give you an example. Um, Because we just got mine on iTunes like yesterday. But they keep my intro, which it begin, like they use the intro of my show um, as like the teaser on my on the iTunes page. And the only thing that's bad in there is it says ass. It says, this is rated B for badass. That's the only bad word. So I'm assuming that or they maybe they re- label it explicit if the podcaster, Obviously, I don't know this. I'm just telling you my, what I think has happened. It could be that you have to tell them, "Yeah, there's explicit stuff on here," so they can label it that way, so you know, they don't get complaints. I mean, I'm just guessing here. I don't really know, but they labeled mine as explicit, which is fine. I don't. This is not the Mickey Mouse Club, right? This okay. is real life, you know. And so I don't care if it's labeled explicit. I'm gonna have an R-rated movie because I'm gonna have the freedom to say what I want. I'm not trying to be crude or anything, but sometimes you got to get crude to get a point across.
1: I, I I was just yeah I was just curious um, because I was just about to cuss but now I forget what I was going to say so it doesn't matter but I cuss on mine dude so. uh, I
0: don't do it but I don't do it like like I do it on accident like because I'm just talking like I would in real life I'm not doing it to purposely cuss in fact I'm I try to not do that because I don't think you need to do it but like you and I if we're we're talking about if, if you're hammering a nail and you hit and it slips and hits your thumb you're probably going to yell a four letter word. And sometimes yeah. you just got to come out and say it.
1: Well, I've heard Pentecostal pastors unleash, and they weren't speaking in tongues, by the way. <laughs> I've heard them unleash a series of colorful metaphors that would that that would, you know, uh, that 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 would shock the shit out of people. So.
0: Dude, let's wait. Let's go on that for a second. This relates to email. It does, in my opinion, my humble but arrogant opinion. (laughs) I, I, you know, I read the Bible. I read like a chapter, and I, I like it. I think it's, you know, I'm a Christian guy. I read it. Okay, this is what I'm. I'm trying to be better. I know I'm not perfect. Don't use me as your example. I'm just saying. I have, I do read it, and I'm telling you, I've studied a lot, like what the old languages saying stuff. And there's a lot of swearing in the Bible. If you bring it back to its root languages. Like, there's a part in, I don't know if it's Colossians or Galatians or something. My friend, one of my friends told me about it, who's a minister, where there's this part where they're talking about circumcision. And Paul basically says, I don't care if you cut your dicks off. It doesn't matter. You know, because circum- uh-huh. be, I mean, that's basically what he said. Or, like, if you see the word dung used in certain ways, it means, like, the lowest abasement you could, I mean, it's saying shit, basically. You know what I mean? It's in there. It's just that everybody wants to, like, I mean, there's people getting beheaded. In, I mean, the, the priests. A prophet of the Lord, Samuel, because King Saul wouldn't kill the leader of the uh, Amalekites, I don't know how you pronounce it, he did it. He grabs a sword and lops, you know, kills the dude, hacks him into pieces. You know, there's all kinds of gore and violence in there. It's just not a, this world is not like this sanitized Mickey Mouse Sesame Street. Sometimes to communicate a point, oh, okay, I've even written an email about this, Dan. You'll love this. There's a story in the book of Judges, okay, where this, um, this levite which is like the priest tribe he was traveling with his concubine cuz they had concubines hey even the priests had concubines back then <laughs> but um and she basically got raped and killed okay and he went and complained and nobody would like do anything about it this this priest so he chopped her body up into 12 parts and sent one part to each of the heads of the 12 tribes to get their attention and he did he got their attention finally because there was like mass apathy going on at the time. Nobody cared. Moral apathy. And it took that, that exam. It took him doing that. Can you imagine cutting your wife up into 12 pieces to get the attention of the cops? I mean that's basically what he did. And it worked. And the war ensued and then he got their attention. Sometimes you have to do that figuratively speaking to get attention in your emails and in your market.
1: Well, that's true. I... <clears throat> You know, speaking of speaking of colorful metaphors in the Bible, um I'm, I, get off on this, I have a pre- <laughs> yeah, talk about getting off our topic. We'll get we'll get back on. There's a couple more more email questions I got, but this this stuff is way more fun to talk about. I, <clears throat> I okay. Here's the deal. Doberman Dan is a is a creative persona. What he is, he's He's pretty much Dan Galapu, okay? But what he is, he's the best parts of Dan Galapu. And for the most part, the bad parts of Dan Galapu get downplayed. Now, granted, Doberman Dan has talked about his battle with Doctor Doom, which is just simply uh, a lifelong battle with depression and how he has overcome it. So, yes, D- Doberman Dan has talked about his weaknesses. But, you know, Doberman, Doberman Dan is way tougher than Dan Gallup, so it's a persona. And when it started out, I I felt like I was more off the leash and I started getting some complaints. So last year I deliberately pulled back. If you ever rented a a U-Haul truck, they put what they call a governor on there. You can't go, I mean, floor that thing. It doesn't matter. It, it The governor restricts you to either 45 miles an hour or 55 miles an hour. You know, they do that for insurance purposes. Um, Doberman Dan has had a governor on him in his newsletter and even to a certain extent in the in the webinars that are part of the program. And even the one-on-one consultations that are occasionally available. I've had the governor on. Now, I've made the decision to take the governor off. That doesn't mean I'm going to turn into Howard Stern and do everything I can to possibly offend people. But you know what? I was put on this earth to be myself. Now, the experiences I've lived through as a 12-year city inner cop have affected me for the rest of my life, Uh, many in a non-positive way and And one of those is my form of communication, because how I had to communicate with the 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 dirt bags of society was way different than I can com- communicate with other people. I mean, I would have gotten myself killed in many situations if I would have walked in and said, "Hello, dear citizens of Dayton, Ohio. I formally request that you stop your aggressive actions." <laughs> towards each other, and now you're aggress- now you're addressing your aggressive aggressive actions towards me with weapons. I order you to stop that. And I- no, they don't understand that language. The language <laughs> they understand is, motherfucker, you're getting two in the chest and one in the head if you don't drop your you know if you don't put your hands up right now. And so that has become a part of me. I've had the governor on it because you don't always need to talk like that but there are times when I do need to talk like that to get people's attention. Well the governor has come off in 2014 <laughs> and and I've and I don't care who I offend. You just leave, man. I've got a pet peeve with people who are super sensitive about that and it's usually religious people. I'm not talking spiritual people. It's religious people. And they'll talk about how they were offended by that. Well, guess what? That's your own fucking fault. I can't control how you think. All right? You decided to be offended by that. Okay? A second thing I discovered on the police department, those namby-pamby people who are so easily offended are completely worthless to me. On the police department, they nearly got me killed. As an entrepreneur... They are worthless to me in any capacity whatsoever. And as soon as they reveal themselves to be that way, they're kicked out of my life or fired because they're do-nothings. Um, they're too damn sensitive, and, and they're worthless. Here's what a Bibli- biblical scholar told me one time. He said, listen we're reading various versions of the Bible and everybody says this version maybe is the pure version or whatever. He goes, I'm going to tell you, you know, translated from Latin and the King James version, when Jesus himself said, you snakes, he said this to the religious leaders. Okay. The Pharisees, you snakes, you brood of vipers, at that period in time there was nothing more offensive he could have said to them there existed no other words that have could have been more offensive to them than those words and that's why he was you know the people were shocked by them by him and conspired behind his back to bring the dude down uh you know the you know the end of that story they they were <laughs> successful in in doing that and bring him down and and this biblical professor said I said well what is the equivalent phrase or word that you could use that was you know that was that offensive back in those days in today's words and he said that would be calling people you know you Mother fucking you, motherfucking lying bastards! Oh so, anybody who's offended by that, I have, I have no use for them.
0: Yeah, I, you know, I don't understand how people go through life trying to not be offended because if, if anyone who's li- okay, I'll give you a perfect example, dude. A few weeks ago, I put a podcast up, couple, my second one. Uh, no, this was the first one. And the title was How to Profit from the Female Rationalization Hamster. Now, we all have rationalization hamsters. Okay. I was talking about a story about a girl I had dated, and how I'll tell you the story. It's actually kind of a business lesson to it, but we had gone out for a full day. Okay. I, she lived like three hours from here. And I went, you know, somewhere toward the end of the date, I went in for the kiss. I always do. Okay. Even if I don't like a girl, I will because it's just an ego thing. I got denied, man. It happens so rarely; it's like statistically it never happens, but it did happen on that day. And uh, so, anyway, we hung out for another hour or so, and I started driving back because it was dark out. Again, it's a three-hour drive. I stop at the gas station. I'm in Oregon, so you don't pump your own gas in Oregon. The guy comes out and pumps the gas. Says, "Dude, I think like one of your lights is out. Headlights is out." I'm thinking, really? So I go out there, and one of the headlights is out, and it looks like maybe the other one might be out too, or like it was. Like there was some fuse problem or something. I'm like, crap, I can't drive three hours in the dark like this. What if the lights go out? Or or worst case, a cop pulls me over because I only have one headlight. So I call her up and I say, do you know any good hotels in town? And she goes, well, you know, why don't you just come and stay in my spare bedroom? And
1: I'm like, this girl wouldn't even you, but she invites you to stay (laughs) the night. She
0: won't let me kiss her because she says she didn't know me well enough, but she's gonna let me stay the night. So anyway, I go. I did not hook up with her this night. By the way, I just—I pre- mean, she's a very classy girl. So I'm not. This is nothing. I'm not saying anything bad about her. But I did go over there. I stayed over, and we were just up talking or whatever. And like right, like at the stroke of midnight, Dan, she starts kissing on me, and I go, "Whoa, hold on!" Not that I mind or anything, but you said you didn't know me that well. She goes, "Well, it's twelve o'clock, so it's technically our second date. Therefore." <laughs> That's the and and my whole point is is if you're patient in your business and this is applicable to email by far. This is why you got to email every day. If there's something you want, you want to sell something to you know the best customers or get the best client. Sometimes you just have to be patient and let go of your desire and then you would be surprised. If you just let go of your desire and just go on with your life and just keep doing what you need to do. Those sales will come to you. You will land those clients and those sales. So anyway, I don't even know where I'm going with this, but that was that was a story that I was told. And, uh, oh, that's right. That, so that was the rationalization hamster, what she did there. It was her rationalization hamster saying, well, it's midnight, so it's our second day. Right? And so you can profit from that, though, because our customers all have that same thing. They don't want to just give up the goods right away. Your best clients are not the ones who hire you right on the spot. They're the ones that kind of feel you out. They want to get to know you. They want to trust you. Cause you know they've been burned before, but they're good clients. That's always been my case, at least. So you gotta be patient, and you gotta just let it go. So anyway, anyway. So oh wait, I was gonna tell you the point of this. So one girl got really offended by that title, "How to Profit from the Female Rationalization Hamster." Right? Wrote me this email saying, "This I've gone too far this time, and you know I'm not gonna watch her." You know, some, she called my podcast a video, which told me she didn't even listen to it and uh you know there was nothing offensive in it so people will get offended they will find a reason to be offended people who are looking to
1: it, you're you're absolutely right and there's nothing uh, that's their decision to be offended um you know same same as same as the decision to find something of value in in anything like i love talking with tj rolletter a marketer who he's been around for years, uh, 25, 30 years. He markets in the biz op space. You know, we had a conversation and we were talking about a certain info product. By the way, he subscribes to your newsletter. He gets my newsletter. He's a junkie for this stuff. (laughs) And we were talking about a certain course that, you know, was content was not all that great. And it didn't have a good reputation. And TJ's response was, "Man, you know what? For me, it's all good. I, I find I find value in in everything. And and then he then he then he you know even though this product basically sucked, he proceeded to tell me the value he got out of it. And um, you know, so so people can take these lessons that you're given out by email." choose to be offended or or choose to apply a little brain power um and, and get the business lesson out of it or even better choose to observe your process and then duplicate that in their own business.
0: I and, and talk about a guy with a target on his back, but TJ Rolletter. Everybody's on there. I don't understand why everybody hates that guy so much. But you know, you go out there; it's nothing but bad reviews and giant And it's just people because they didn't apply what he's teaching. Probably that would be my guess. So they're offended. They're offended because they actually have to do some work. That would be my guess. You know? Yeah. It's uh, can, we've I had this see decision. why he's patient.
1: We've had this conversation. He sells in the biz op market, but he doesn't sell. He's not an I am guy you know, like Kern and all those guys selling magic buttons, magic online buttons, or whoever the guru of the day is, he sells in the old school direct mail biz op market, okay? And so what this requires is a balance of selling, of telling them that the program is all mapped out for them and 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 easy because they don't have to go through all the trial and error and the learning process. TJ has done that for them. He has put together everything, okay? All they have to do... Well, hell, they don't even have to do that. All they have to do is implement the marketing, but he even has an agency that does the marketing for them. So it's a true... It is a true done-for-you solution, okay? The deal is, I mean, there's no true done-for-you solution. The deal is they have to invest in the package, and then they have to get with TJ's people and get involved in the advertising project that advertises the the product they're being sold. Well, they, they can't even drag their fat asses off the couch (laughs) to do that they think the mere fact of buying the package money should rain down from heaven and this is a i went to one of his conferences and i was amazed by the mindset of these people that's what they truly believe so when money doesn't rain down from heaven by the, by them simply investing in the package and not taking action, they, they post negative shit on the email about, uh, on the Internet about him.
0: I you know, I, people sometimes worry like, oh, man, what if I get on? What's that rip off report site or something? Yeah, I, if I got put on there, I wouldn't fight it. I would mount an email campaign bitching about I would dig up every piece of dirt because there's a lot of dirt on that site about how it's like basically a racket. I don't know if it's that site or whatever I don't want to say it's that one because I don't know if that's the one I'm thinking of, but some of those sites are just as shady. They're just basically blackmailing people. or like, what's everybody afraid of that everyone's afraid of salty droid or whatever. What are you afraid of? Because the people who are on those sites are not your they're not customers. you know? I mean, some of the people on these sites sound like raving psychopaths. I mean, they're yeah. like physically I mean all they can do is pick on the way people look. You know, talk about their kids and all this stuff, like stuff that to me is just low class jackass as it gets. If somebody is truly legitimately like bad news and you want to warn them, fine, do it. But do it with all the facts and you know don't, be a, don't do it in a way that like you ruined your reputation, you know, and that's just going to attract all the wrong people. Um, Ryan Healy has done this a few times where, and he's got balls for doing this, in my opinion. Well, he will, he will go out and do the research and call someone out by name, but he'll tell me. He's told me himself. Man, I didn't sleep real well that week, you know, <laughs> you know. So my thought is, I like to call out types, not specific people. You know, that that's the way I like. And and you know, if, if someone's calling on a specific person, who's our best
1: friend, Marcus, Alan? Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, oh yes.
0: You know, he called me a psychopath and all this idiocy. I mean, just no. He know,
1: saw no. He 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 was way more complimentary. He called you a very charmless psycho, charm. Charmless psychopath. Um, no, it was something, it was, it, it was so ironic. The The two words were so, op, a, 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 what was it? Psychopath, a, a. I don't think me called me charmless psychopath. Yeah, that, that's, it was a charm, you know. Charm, no charm. A very charming psychopath. That was No, that. he said,
0: he said I wasn't charming. That was say, he, he goes, i he goes, I fit the bill as a psychopath, but I'm not as charming as one.
1: Oh, I thought, I thought he said you were charming.
0: No, psychopaths are very Charming. From what I hear, because they they fake emotions and all that, he says I'm not very charming. You know, he just went on, and I just called him out on every single point. You know, in a counter email, and I was glad he did it because it gave me a chance to give my side of things. And then what happened was, is in the PS, I said something that was hearsay, which I should have not have done. And he emails me saying, "Oh, that's that's not true," but he like ignored all the other points where I made him, where I I proved him wrong. (laughs) This is, but that's just funny. People who call people out by names. 90% of the time I've seen they're attracting the wrong people to them. Who cares what they think? You just talk to your audience. Your audience trusts you if you've built up that trust and you do good by them. You put them – as long as you care about your people and I care about the people who I'm selling to and who's reading my site, hey, you know, who cares what the rest of the world thinks? Let everyone else be offended.
1: Yeah, Exactly. And you can't – you know – Listen. The minute you raise your head above the crowd and do anything like, <clears throat> there's a lot of people who've started uh, a, a podcasts. Okay, there's one, there's one episode, and that's it. You know, there's a lot of people started blogs. There's maybe one post, two post. But somebody who raises their head above the crowd and actually does something is automatically painted a target on their chest, and they are going to be the sub they're going to be attacked in some way. They're going to be the subject of criticism. They're going to be written about negatively. It's impossible. If mother Teresa started a blog. Okay. She, she'd be attacked. Okay. <laughs> she would definitely be attacked. <laughs> Um, You know, there's nothing you can do about it. Um, You know, it's just, it's building your audience and building that connection with them. This is probably a very big, bad example, but I used it in my February newsletter. <laughs> but it is an example of building a following and how loyal that following can be if you build it right. Unfortunately, this, was, this is the dark side of things. All this stuff can be used for good. It can be used for the dark side. Which, by the way, Ben, when you get my February newsletter, I... Yeah. <laughs> I have hesitated for months in publishing this because it is, it reveals the dark side. Um, someone can take this information, uh, get it, it vastly wealthy, uh, lose their soul in the process, hurt a lot of people. Um, it is the dark side. I reveal the dark side. I, it can be used very effectively for the dark side, but I have. Faith in um, the knights in my marketing Camelot. I, I call my—I don't call my members in my program members or subscribers. I call them knights of—we—we uh, we have our. This is what I consider our marketing Camelot. So I have faith in them that they won't use it for the dark side. But here is a dark side example of building your following and how they will forgive you, even if people do attack you. <laughs> Back in the '80s. There was a tele televangelist named Peter Popoff. Do you happen to remember him?
0: I d I don't. I, I remember some of the other ones like Swaggart and um t- t- what was it Tammy and Faye? Tammy and yeah. I
1: remember I remember Swaggart because he was based out of Akron, Ohio. I lived right next door in in Barberton, Ohio, and we tuned in to his local broadcast. uh, uh Basically, to make fun fun of him, but uh, but Peter Popoff was huge in the eighties. In the eighties, he was bringing in millions per week in donations. I mean, do do the numbers now on what that would be worth in today's dollars. And uh, so, he had a TV show very popular. He traveled around and did meetings. He was a prophet and a healer and uh, James Randy and whoever his assistant was at the time James Randy was a magician but he also started exposing frauds and so James Randy exposed Peter Popoff with a a a scanner and what they discovered is Peter Popoff this was cutting edge technology in the 80s had a little earpiece that he crammed inside his ear canal so you know, it was barely visible, and his wife transmitted messages to him. So his people advance; his advanced people will go out in the crowd and say, "Oh, welcome, welcome to the you know, welcome to the meeting. Welcome. Um, what's your name? Oh, oh, great. Where are you from? Let me let me help you find a seat." Well, what these people were doing, they're making notes of this information, and um, you know, like. Uh, Oh, you know, oh so you have a son named so and so. How interesting. Is he here with you tonight? No. What, you know, what do you do? You're a secretary? You know, and they're having a nice conversation with these people while they're getting them seated and and um you know, do you mind me asking, are you having any challenges in your life or any sicknesses or you know, infirmities or, or, or financial problems that that I could pray for you about? And of course, a person would disclose this. What they didn't know is, is you know, these were pop offs, you know, lead lead guys or 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 whatever you want to call them in this scam. They're making notes of all this, so they made them. All, they put on cards. They gave it to pop off's wife when the meeting started. You know, they knew which seat these people were in, and so his wife would say, "Seat, you know, B three woman with the uh, you know blonde hair." a blue dress, blah, blah, blah. And Pop-Off would start calling her out. You have been dealing with an issue with your son, Jeremy. You know, and like, oh, my God, this man's a prophet. He knows. <laughs> and, you know, anyway, this was all exposed in the 80s. In fact, James Rand even went on Carson to show the footage and show the recordings that they made. With with a scanner. But you know what? It took him down for a while, but he was back up in no time at all. And he's been back at it for years. He's got his own oh, wow. TV show. He's traveling around doing the same thing. He has as big a following as he did before, and his direct mail letters are masterpieces in asking for money without giving anything in return. So it's it's a dark side example of how this process can work for you if you use it for good. It sounds like, like the
0: politicians, they get caught red at and they still get voted in again. Like in Washington, D.C., like the mayor there, wasn't he like, <laughs> yeah, <smoke and> crack. <laughs> like cocaine or something or crack? And he still gets reelected because they don't if you have the following that believes you know like that they're i don't know i don't get it personally i don't in fact i don't get why anybody votes
1: for anybody but there it is yeah they're they're totally they're totally irrational and 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 now i'm actually i'm kind of sorry i gave out a dark side example but um (laughs) you know honest ethical people can use this can use these same principles for good what other um Are there any other things about your email techniques we should talk about or should we go off on some wilder stuff? (laughs) Well, I mean,
0: you know, it's hard to boil my, my whole system down in a call or anything like that, but the basics are there. It's just you be you. You don't try to be a mini me or mini Dan or mini anyone else, mini Kern, whoever your favorite email person is. You be you, a unique personality. Watch – you know what, man? The best – I'm going to give them the advice you gave me. Watch that Johnny Carson documentary on Netflix. The first five minutes of it will tell you everything you really need to know to get to, to how to communicate to your audience. The first five minutes will tell you. It was And, and Jay Leno even says – there's even a nice quote from Jay Leno, Seinfeld, yep. all these guys. Right, He was the guy that all these guys now – they still can't do what he did. They all admit it. That, that they'll never – he was the king – of comedy, of late night comedy, and no one's going to beat it. And why it applies directly to email. There's nothing there that doesn't.
1: That uh, yeah, that documentary was uh, was pretty eye opening for me. Um, I don't remember the exact name. Just net if just, if you're on Netflix, look up Johnny Carson. I think it's uh, what is it like American the, Masters? It's that's American right, Masters, American Masters. Masters, something like
0: that. Yeah, um, it's free. It's on Netflix. It's on Amazon Prime too
1: that's uh that's a great lesson right there that's that was one of that was a contributing factor to me realizing it's time to take the governor off of uh off of Doberman, dan it's it's time for me to keep, to quit holding myself you know back i i i'm put on this i'm put on this earth to do something and by me deliberately not being myself or not saying the things that I feel that need to be said because I don't because I'm afraid I possibly might offend somebody or might not be politically correct um, I'm doing somebody a huge disservice whose life could be changed if if I just you know be myself as far as as far as I know I'm the only Daniel Galapoo <laughs> in the entire world it's uh, my last name you know the, the american immigration people probably screwed it up when my great grandfather <laughs> came you know emigrated he's like Galipo. what's a, what's your name galip uh, messeur uh, me Galipo. and like what <laughs> the fuck it's now Gallipo and it's spelled g a l l a p o o well you know what that ain't my name it's galipo and it's french and if it wasn't so much of a pain in the ass I will go back to it and have everything changed my, my, my driver's license and, 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 uh, (laughs) and passport. But, uh, you know, you're put on this earth for a reason and by you not being real and being yourself, I think you're cheating yourself out of, you know, um, what could be an incredibly fulfilling life and you're also probably holding back on some stuff that you're the only person in the world that could share that with somebody and make an impact on your life so you know take your governor off your u-haul so when you step on the accelerator you you can get that thing up to 90 miles an hour (laughs) you know what?
0: you just reminded me of something we're talking about the, the Carson document. you know what another one you would like if you haven't seen it and it, it's, it's it goes along a lot with your renegade theme here on um, this is not on Netflix as far as I know, but it is on Amazon Prime and I'm not sure even if it's free on Amazon Prime, but it's worth the five bucks or whatever it costs and it's a it's a documentary about Steve McQueen. He is the prototypical renegade in in acting. He lived he did things his way. He would have fights with directors if he thought things weren't going right. He might have been a little of a prima donna, but you know what? The guy had an ethic he went by where it was his way. He was going to live life his way. He had his own code of honor. He did things the way he thought was right. He didn't compromise for people. Um, He just did things his way. And that's that's how you you become a a success in in anything. You just got to stick with what you know is right and go by it. And if it's mailing daily, do it. Don't worry about if somebody gets mad at you or the hell with them. Let them go. Oh, man, you offended me. Let the crybabies go. Do you really want a crybaby as a customer? You know, that crybaby is just going to make your life miserable. Dan, I know you've had customers like this because I have too. And they're just like a complete pain. You're like, God, I wish they hadn't even bought. You know? So, oh yeah, offend, you know? Just be you. Just do your thing and you're going to be a f- The more polarizing you are, the more effective you're going to be. That, what, look at all these politicians. Now, I don't know how much of it's an act for these politicians, but... You know, it gets people riled up. It gets people who are on your side and it gets people who are not on your side. And you might be surprised by how many people who don't like you are still gonna stick around to see how much more they can't like you. And you will be surprised how many of them people become paying customers eventually. Yeah. I've gotten testimonials that's like true. That. I got testimonial where this girl wrote me an email, dude, and I posted this on my site. He's like, this guy used to get, he would, why he, my friend would just read you every day to see how much more mad you can make him, And eventually he realized you're pretty awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm not trying to be awesome. I'm just being
1: me. And that's what anyone should
0: do. Just be you.
1: Well, that's good advice. I get your, uh, I, I get your newsletter about email marketing and every month it has great stuff and it's got, you know. We call them swipes, but you know you're just a dirty, rotten bastard if you swipe them word for word. They're supposed to be used as examples for you to adapt. But you do, you do give success successful emails as examples each month. So people should subscribe to that newsletter. Um, what's the best way for people to get into your funnel um, so they can get? More information about you and especially more information about the newsletter you publish.
0: Well, the best way to do it is just to go to bensettle.com. And if you opt in, I give you that. We talked about this earlier. You get a free issue. The first issue free is a PDF. I mean, the paid version is print, but I give away that first issue. There's 24 ways to profit from email in there. I've had people tell me that they made money the first time. They just implemented a couple things. In fact, my producer for my podcast, Jonathan Rivera, is like, I downloaded that thing. I applied some stuff. I made like 1500 bucks, you know? And then I've had one lady, one girl, she doesn't even subscribe to the newsletter. She just reads my free stuff. And she She, went, she works for a, a company that I guess they have a pretty nice size list. And she said like the, she sent some emails out that increased their sales by like $50,000 one month. So this, this stuff works, man. Even the free stuff work if you, like you say, have some intelligence and just apply the principles.
1: Well, I appreciate your time today. I guess we better shut it down. Um, Hopefully, you'll come back soon. Oh, yeah. Well, you're going to be on mine Friday, so I'm looking forward to that. Grilling you. (laughs) All right. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Well, thanks, Ben. It was good talking to you. Go to bensettle.com and check out all of Ben's stuff. All right. Thanks, Dan. All right. Talk to you soon. Thanks for
0: tuning in. You are just listening to the Doberman Dan Show for Renegade Entrepreneurs.
1: If you enjoyed the show,
0: please leave a review on iTunes. And also make sure to head over to DobermanDan.com and subscribe to all the free tools, tactics, and secrets to help build your business quickly so
1: you can experience the Renegade Entrepreneur Lifestyle. Stay tuned for upcoming episodes where our guests reveal their best secrets for financial independence and living a completely
0: free lifestyle.